listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. This man right here, this giant behind me, you may think you know who he is, but his real name is Jake Hagar. And yeah, Jake Hagar, he's a former world champion, but more importantly, right here, right now, he is the toughest, most terrified, most crazy MMA fighter in the world today. Okay, hold on. second calm down for one second we the people sucks and it's dead and buried it was a stupid idea from bad creative and all that's gone Episode of the Elitist Cinema Geekly's AEW podcast. It's Anthony Lewis and Nick Montez, and we're back for episode two of Dynamite on TNT. The episode that almost didn't happen. Well, I mean, it would have happened. It just could have possibly aired solely on True TV. Uh, instead, it aired on both TNT and True TV from beginning to end. So, uh, I guess there was nothing to really worry about. But there there was some concern that the baseball game, I think, on TBS was going to run a little long uh, and would get shunted to TNT, which would push AEW off for a little while. Uh, people were worried about what that was going to do to the ratings. Uh, as it turns out, they should have just been worried about baseball in general doing really good ratings and that taking away from the TV ratings. But <laughs> we're not going to talk about the ratings here. Uh, Nick, I don't think you know this, but... I decided because the uh, the NXT podcast gets released after this one, uh, that's the show where I will be like, "Hey, here's what the ratings were for the for the Wednesday Night Wars, and here's who I thought won the show or like won the battle that week." Um, oh, that's pretty exciting! I, I would like to hear this. Yeah, so tune in, everybody, to what comes next uh, on CinemaGeekly.com, and it's on all of the other. Uh, podcast outlets as well. Uh, but for a previously on, Nick, in case you were wondering, uh, AEW won the first week's battle uh, pretty handedly, and, but I thought NXT was uh, the better show of the two, although I thought both shows were good. Uh, I thought NXT out-wrestled AEW last week. Uh, I've not watched NXT for this week yet, but I will. Uh, probably tonight. It's too much damn wrestling to keep up with. I, I still Ugh. haven't watched last week's NXT show. I feel so bad. Oh, it's a great show. It's really oh, good. I want to see that match. I'm I'm so far behind. I haven't watched Hell in a Cell. I, I don't even think I've watched Don't need to watch Hell in a Cell. <laughs> Just take a hard, hard pass on that one. I've been told the opening match was great, though, so maybe I should at least catch 
that's what I heard too. Uh, I haven't haven't gotten around to watching it, but I heard the first match was really good. Uh, before we talk about episode two of Dynamite, let's quickly talk about how in between episodes one and two, they launched another show real quick. Uh, <laughs> they announced almost right after the numbers came out for Dynamite last week that they were going to be launching a YouTube show that comes out on Tuesdays called AEW Dark, where it would feature all of the dark matches that they shot before and after the Dynamite episode. And also they noted that because these matches are airing, uh, all of the matches they film are airing, all of the wins and losses are, you know, official. They count for the record. So Awesome. We got I, that answer. Yeah, so I don't know if if they start doing non-televised house shows, if those numbers count or not, I would presume that they would. Uh, they might just do it New Japan style. House shows might have a lot of like multi-man matches and a couple singles matches mm-hmm. build up records. One thing I did learn about tag teams, uh, because they, they have an eight man tag on here. Um, so if you win an eight man tag team match, that counts towards your tag team record, not a trios record or not a, you know, a four team, you know, a four person team record. It just counts as a tag team record. So, really? uh, they noted, they noted that here with the eight man tag they had on AEW dark. So AEW dark had four matches, uh, Shima and Darby Allen, which I think was the best match of the four. Uh, that was pretty good. That saw Darby Allen get a win, uh, which helped his justification for being in the match he was in on this week's episode. Uh, the eight man tag was private party and best friends against, uh, and Helico and Jack Evans, who are now known as the hybrid two. Uh, and they teamed with Los Lucha brothers, uh, Lucha Brothers got a really big reaction until Orange Cassidy came out with Best Friends. Uh, then he got the biggest reaction. I don't know how, but he's quickly become like one of the biggest stars without... He's done almost nothing, which of course is his character. But uh, he's incredibly popular for having not done much. Uh, it's the denim. It's all about that hot... Denim. Oh yeah. That, that <laughs> acid wash jean look. Oh yeah, uh, that was an okay match too. It was pretty good. I, I don't think anything got above uh, three, like a three or three and a quarter from me when I when I rated them out. Uh, there is a, a the heels won that match, so the Lucha Brothers won, and and Helico and Jack Evans by virtue of teaming with them secured their first tag team win, uh, even though they didn't score the pin. Uh, B Priestley and Penelope Ford teamed up against Allie and Britt Baker. Uh, it was also okay. Uh, Allie and Britt Baker won when Britt put, uh, Penelope Ford into her new submission hold, which we got to see her use again on, uh, on this episode. And the main event was an all out rematch, uh, Jurassic Express against SCU, which saw SCU once again win, so they're undefeated as a trios team. Uh, this was not as good as the all-out match, but still fun. Still good times. Uh, that leads us in to episode two of Dynamite from Boston, Massachusetts in the Aganis Arena, Nick. This building a little bit smaller than the one that they were running in last week, but 
uh, still looked pretty good. I thought, I think there was maybe six, six and a half thousand there. So not as big an arena, but still looked pretty good. I thought the show opens with the announcers, of course, running down the card, uh, for the show. And, uh, they hop right into a young bucks, private party hype video. And then that takes us into the opening match, young bucks, private party, First round match of the AEW Tag Team Championship Tournament uh, begins with Private Party outpacing, uh, I think it's like Mark Quinn, or maybe it's Isaiah Cassidy, I don't remember which, uh, was outpacing Nick Jackson early on, and then Nick goads Isaiah into to getting upset, like I think he spits gum at Mark Quinn. Uh, this gets Isaiah all mad, and uh, he's young, he's new to the business, so he loses his cool, and it's a a rookie mistake and the Bucks uh, use this to take advantage and get control of the match uh, but eventually Cassidy gets this tag to Mark Quinn and he goes crazy Nick uh, he does four dives in a row each dive is more impressive than the last one uh, the crowd is getting more excited with each dive and then he hits uh, a 450 for a near fall uh, Matt hits uh, Isaiah with a running powerbomb onto the ramp Crowd is really excited for this match. They're going crazy. Uh, Bucks get back uh, control of the match. Eventually, uh, Isaiah Cassidy makes another hot tag to Mark Quinn. They try to do the the silly string, this cool double team uh, like move that ends up in a like a satellite DDT. But Matt Jackson has the scouted, and he turns it into the rolling Northern Light suplexes for a near fall. Uh, they do a, like a great moment with a, a sharpshooter tease on Mark Quinn makes it look like he's, uh, maybe going to tap out, but eventually makes it to the rope. Uh, private party hit gin and juice on Nick. Uh, Quinn hits a shooting star press on Matt for a huge near fall. Uh, that doesn't get the job done. He goes to pick up Matt, but Matt somehow scoops him into tombstone position for the Meltzer driver but Isaiah Cassidy breaks it up. Mark Quinn rolls up Matt out of the tombstone position and gets the three and the huge upset win. Private Party win. They move on. Young Bucks are eliminated from the first round of the tournament. Uh, Nick, what did you think of the opener for Dynamite this week? I absolutely loved this. This, when I was doing my own predictions for how I thought this would go, I thought, wow, how cool would it be if the Bucks put over a young like this? Yep. Honestly, I have private party going on to take Lucha Bros on in the finals of the tournament. That's where I think this is going. But just high energy. The crowd loved it. They were into everything they did. I was on the edge of my the whole match. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, one thing I love about private party, when they um, come out for their entrance, I love that they're uh, weighed in at 24 ounces of vodka cranberry. Ah uh, yeah, I I love that they had the the guy from Atlas Security there to like let them through the the velvet rope. <laughs> yes, to come into the to come down to the ramp. Yeah, they had a fun entrance. Um, oh my god, it was excellent! Great opener. I give it high praise. Uh, well, we can give it more than that, Nick. Well, I mean, we are giving it high praise, but what would you give uh, Young Bucks and Private Party the opener? I would give it four and a half stars. Wow. Okay. So we're pretty close on this one. I went four and a quarter. 
I thought this was just excellent. Uh, and we're only a little bit above the people on Grapple App. They gave it a solid four. No point, nothing, nothing. Just a, a solid four. Uh, which means this match probably got a ton of four-star ratings. But, uh, yeah, I agree. This was a great match. Probably the best match they've... I mean, we're only two weeks in, but definitely the best match on AEW TV, I think. Uh, I would agree. Uh they went to commercial break, but they did a picture in picture during the break. They showed private parties celebrating in the crowd while the bucks walked to the back in stunned disbelief, uh, a rare good use of the picture in picture commercial break. I thought, uh, I've grown to not particularly care for the picture in picture breaks. Uh, I feel like it's a lose lose either way you go. Uh, either you're showing nothing of consequence, uh, like, you know, bad guy beats on the good guy on the mat, puts him in a rest hold. Like, you know, you might as well not show me that. Or you got the opposite where they're still wrestling and keeping up a good pace and having a good match. And I can't hear anything. So you might as well not show me that either, because if it's good, I want to be able to experience it. I don't want to be able to just view it in a smaller window with no sound. Uh, so I've grown to actually not really care for these uh, uh, for these particular picture-in-picture thingies. Although I hear, if I you're in what, the... Go, go ahead. I get what you're saying there, but I actually have a different feeling about that. Okay. I felt like a couple other matches we'll get into here shortly. I didn't understand why the match didn't continue during picture-in-picture. Like, I get seeing Private Party celebrate. It's pretty cool and all, and, you know, since nothing consequential to have breaks i guess yeah it's fine for that but i kind of felt like they use their picture in picture at weird times and there was one match in particular i wish we could have seen the match on during mm-hmm. i guess that's what they're using post-match packages for and you know clips back yeah um up next promos continue to make their return to pro wrestling uh, I don't know if you saw... Did you watch the NWA Power show on YouTube or no? No, no. It's... I watched most of it. It's not going to be my thing. Uh, because I need... Uh, I don't just need good promos and good stories. Like, cohesive, coherent stories. I need, like, the really high-caliber wrestling to back it up for me now. I've just watched too much. I've watched too much New Japan. I've watched... Uh, too much Ring of Honor when it was at its uh, peak. I've watched too much PWG. Uh, you know, the stuff during WrestleMania weekends. I, I've just seen too much high-caliber pro wrestling, and the NWA roster just does not have that. Uh, so I just don't think I'm going to be able to keep... It's just not going to be able to keep my interest. But one thing I will say, uh, the show opens with Nick Aldis, who's the NWA world champion right now, and he cut a fantastic promo. Like, it felt like something out of the old NWA Crockett WCW, like when Ric Flair would be in those studio shows cutting a Ric Flair promo. It wasn't on a Ric Flair level, but it was a really good promo. Like, wow, I forgot what good wrestling promo sounded like. I was so used to the heavily scripted, get all of your branding in, uh, 
try to be an actor even though you're not uh, stuff. And I'd almost forgotten what real wrestling promos sounded like. And then Chris Jericho comes out here, Nick, and he continues to show that promos are making a comeback in pro wrestling. He comes out with his group that he formed last week. He individually intros everyone. I thought this was great. Uh, Jericho literally goes person by person. He introduces Sammy Guevara, calls him a Spanish god. He's like, look at how sexy this guy is. He's a teenage heartthrob. Uh, and he's he's putting over how athletic he is. He talks about Santana and Ortiz, puts over that they're like maniacs, that they're these street brawlers. They're gonna, you know, they're savages. They're gonna kick people's asses. <laughs> and then he says, "Viva La Raza" afterwards, because of course this episode aired on what would have been Eddie Guerrero's fifty-second birthday, uh, and most of the people in the audience knew this. Enchanted for Eddie. Uh, and of course, Eddie Guerrero and Chris Jericho were very good friends. Uh, so that was like a, a cool little thing. Uh, then he introduced Jake Hager, who Jericho pronounces his name like he's Sammy Hagar from like Van Halen or whatever. Uh, it's, his name is Jake Hager, but Jericho kept calling him Jake Hagar. Uh God starts chanting, we the people. Jericho stops the promo, says, we the people was stupid, and it's dead and buried. He said it was a, a dumb idea or whatever, bad creative, something like that. And then the people cheered wildly, apparently, and agreed that they will never chant we the people again, and instead chanted AEW. They listened to Chris Jericho, Nick. He's the bad guy. They're supposed to boo him, but he's like, that's a stupid chant. Don't chant it anymore. And they were like, yes, sir. Uh, he's the bad guy but he's also the law <laughs> yeah Jericho then goes into full heel territory as he takes the the phrase stretching the truth and then stretches that to its its logical extreme when he calls Jack uh, pardon me Jake Hager he calls him like the most dangerous man in MMA uh, he, he's like 2-0 uh, I will say this as a nitpick because, uh, and it is a nitpick because this crowd ate, ate this promo up. But as a nitpick, I'm not a huge fan of when people say, like, that was bad creative. Or, he's undefeated in MMA and that's a shoot. I don't like that because everybody watching wrestling already knows it's fake. You don't need to be like, you know, he's undefeated in MMA, which is not like this fake pro wrestling stuff. He's dangerous for real, not like how we're dangerous for pretend. Uh, I don't like that because you don't need to be reminded of it. It would be like, you know, Tony Stark. Spoiler for Avengers Endgame, everybody, if you haven't watched it. Uh, like Tony Stark dying at the end of Avengers Endgame and then being like, oh, don't don't be sad, guys. He's not really dead. This is an actor and he's alive. So uh, you don't have to like everybody knows that. Like, just let us. Let us get involved in the in what we're watching. Let us uh, let us lose ourselves in the show. But that's a nitpick, uh, and I recognize it as such because this crowd ate this promo up like it was candy. Uh, he talks trash about Cody. Says Dusty was a jerk. Says Dustin's a moron, and he'll kick his ass too. He says he's going to beat the shit out of Cody. <laughs> I wrote here. Then says bubbly. Then says you're welcome. 
He did say after they were after done, they, they were gonna away. they were gonna walk the streets of Baltimore, drinking a little bit of the bubbly. What did you think of the promo? I thought this was a five star promo. I thought it was excellent. I will definitely. And I love Jericho's ridiculous that he wore to the ring, yeah. cradling his championship belt, truly acting like the uh, low rent rock star that he. But yeah, it's bigger. It really <laughs> yes. I mean, I think that's perfect, and I love. I, I mean, maybe he'll prove me wrong. He'll come out on his podcast and say this was in his wardrobe, but part of me would enjoy thoroughly knowing that he just went to a store and he's like, "What's the most ridiculous shirt they have?" And I'm gonna buy it. Uh, <laughs> uh, up next, uh, you, oh, go ahead. What I did, I did want to ask. What do you think of the faction? Oh, that's right. They he did introduce the name of the faction, which is the Inner Circle. Uh, I'm okay with it. I think a lot of people thought he was going to maybe call them Alpha Club, but I never thought he was going to do that because it was it's tied to New Japan. Uh, I I didn't think he was going to do that for a second, but uh, you know I think the name's okay. They're worse names uh, that he could have picked. Uh, I've certainly heard worse names, so you know. I'm. I guess I'm okay with it. How did you feel about the name? I liked it. I I kind of was on. I was kind of thinking also that Alpha Club. He may go with that, but he really is big on reinventing himself. Like he talks about it a lot now. So I kind of yeah. Going to go back to that. Well, this is the and first for Jericho. He's never. I. I don't even know if he's ever even been in a faction. Uh, but he's definitely never led one. So this is like a new Jericho thing for sure. Definitely. It's pretty cool that after the faction was announced, apparently a lot of people like it because Pro Wrestling Tees crashed the website when they, <laughs> oh, when they put the shirts up. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, next up, number one contender for the AEW Championship next week uh, in, where is it, Philadelphia. Jimmy Havoc, Darby Allen. Uh during Jimmy's intro, he gets like an inset promo, kind of telling you who he is a little bit. He talks about how uh, it's taken him 15 years to get here. He's been through so much pain and so much violence, but luckily for him, he really enjoys that sort of thing. So it's kind of been a fun ride for Jimmy Havoc. Uh, but now it'll all culminate with him winning this match and getting a shot with uh, at Chris Jericho's championship. Uh, I was surprised they kind of didn't do something like this for Darby, but... They didn't. Darby came out, and they had their match. Uh, Darby out-wrestled him early. Uh, Jimmy did this falcon arrow, this inside-out falcon falcon's arrow to the floor. Uh, he also did a lot of, like, the... What I call non-hardcore Jimmy. Uh, when he does, like, a lot of the joint manipulation, stuff like that. Uh, he, does a, he did a sleeper suplex for a near fall. Uh, and... That's when they go into break. They didn't do picture-in-picture here for this one. Uh, But, luckily, uh, they left for break, and Jimmy Havoc was in control, and when they came back, he was still in control. So, there was, like, no narrative change in the match, so I don't have to wonder how Darby Allin took control of this match. Jimmy Havoc was still in control when they came back. Uh, Darby manages to block the acid Rainmaker by biting Jimmy Havoc's finger, uh, Darby hits his up and over stunner and a coffin drop for the win. Uh, what did you think of Jimmy and Darby? 
I I had a tough time raising matchup. Mm-hmm. This was one of those matches where I was annoyed that we didn't get on with the picture. Yeah. The reason why is it's supposed to be number one contender mm-hmm. match, and I don't feel like it felt like a number one contender, which I realize that this is just for TV and they're going to have a match on television, but it's the first defense of the AEW world title, if you want to get technical there. Yep. So I I really went back and forth on how to rate this. Honestly, with the um, package at the end where they showed all the highlights, it looked like a much better match than what I saw. Yeah, they included a few things from during the break, I think. Yes, they did, and that's why I had such a hard time rating this. I'm like, based off that package, I would rate this higher, but truthfully, I gave this two and three quarters just because I felt like so much was cut out and I felt like it didn't really feel like what they were billing it as. It just didn't. It didn't win. Okay, um, I was actually above. I, w- I was above you and Grapple. You and Grapple are more aligned than I was, uh, which is weird. I thought you were going to like this more than I was going to like it. Uh, I know your your love for Jimmy Havoc, but and Darby Allen, but yes, uh, and I really like Darby Allen as well. For me, Jimmy Havoc is more hit or miss. Uh, you. I would say more hit or miss when he's doing like a, like a non hardcore, non deathmatch style match. He almost always delivers, uh, in like extremely violent matches. And this is not to say that he's not competent as a wrestler. He is, he's very competent. Everything he did in this match looked good. It's just, sometimes he connects with it. Sometimes he just doesn't. Sometimes it's just like, Oh, he's good. But like, that's as far as it goes. Uh, and they weren't going to go bonkers in this match as far as like violence uh, or anything else along those lines. And that's something that I think is a little more suited towards Darby. Uh, I thought he looked a little bit better out of the two. Uh, I went three and a quarter. Oh, so wow. I'm, I'm above you, but grapple is kind of in this weird in between. Well, you said you gave it two and three quarters, right? So yeah. just, just shy of a three and grapple gave it 2.78. So you guys are, like, right on the dot uh, with one another. So I liked it a little bit more than you guys did. Uh, Up next, more wrestling. Uh, B. Priestley, this time teaming up with Emi Sakura, who uh, was last seen at Double or Nothing. She was on, I want to say, Team Aja Kong? Yes. Uh, She was on the team opposing uh, Riho. Uh, they're taking on the team of Riho, of course, and Britt Baker. Uh, Riho got like a big ovation coming out. Uh, so that worked. They're putting the title on her. Uh, the crowd responded real big. Uh, Riho started out really flashy, but was cut off by Emmy. Uh, they talk about the, uh, what's going on in this match, which is essentially, uh, Britt and B have a feud that is brewing and Riho and Emmy are a student and teacher. So there is a a natural uh, bit of rivalry between all four of the competitors in here. Uh, Britt and B, they start brawling on the floor, at which point the whole match spills out there. Rio does a dive onto the heels and we go to a picture in picture break. Uh, Some good stuff looked like it actually happened during the break here. Uh, Britt tags in B uh, and B hits this cool, like, double jump stomp thing. We've seen her try this a few times, but she always gets cut off or 
it gets avoided or blocked. And then she actually hits it here, and it looked really good. Uh, B and, like, Emmy are doing some double teams. Uh, she hits... B hits Britt with, like, a capture suplex for a near fall. This all looked like it should have been happening during the match, including when Britt and B start doing, like, the Fry Takayama thing, where they're just, like, forearming the shit out of each other. And this is all on mute. And I'm like, please let me hear what's happening right now. Uh, followed up by a double team near fall. Hey, we come back from the break and Emmy Sakura cuts off Brit. Um, Brit makes a comeback though, hits Emmy with uh, like a, a page turner and puts her in what I am deeming the jaw claw until they come up with some other name uh, for the submission <laughs> win on Emmy. Uh, what did you think of the, the women's tag? I thought it was a great match. Uh, I think some of the best stuff did happen during the uh, commercial, commercial I was, break. One. I wish I lived in England. So in England, yes. if you have AEW Plus on Fight for whatever it is, $5 a month, uh, they don't get commercial breaks. And the screen doesn't go dark. They just get to keep watching the match with audio. So maybe it's time to get a VPN. And just make your internet service provider think you're in England and sign up for Fight and watch T and watch the TNT feed that way because they get to watch the entire show uninterrupted with no breaks at all. Uh, That's amazing. I would I would pay for. Me too. Because, uh, it'd be worth it. I gotta say, uh, when B hit that double stomp, that was sick. I thought that was the best part of the. Um, one thing that made my heart feel good during this matchup. Tony Schiavone on comedy. I forget who did it, but someone went for a Vader bomb. Emmy, Sa- Emmy Sakura, yeah. This, okay, I know exactly what you're talking about. This is such a sweet moment. Like, if yes. Jim Ross had done this, people would have roasted him over an open open fire for this because Jim Ross has been around. But Tony Schiavone, much like in a science fiction movie, after WCW closed down, he just went into, like, cryogenic storage like he just disappeared from wrestling and had like no involvement in wrestling after like 2001 and basically just disappeared from the scene altogether and only is truly is only really recently come back to pro wrestling and Excalibur I think it was Emmy Sakura who was going for like a Vader bomb and Excalibur calls it as much and Tony Schiavone is like wait they just call that the Vader bomb like that's just the name of the move now He's like, that's so cool. Like, he's thinking about Leon White, Vader, the guy he knows from WCW. I'm sure he spent many an hour with. And he's like, they just named it after him? That's amazing. And it was actually kind of sweet. Yeah, it was actually kind of sweet. It was cute. Yeah. (laughs) It was actually really nice. Uh, What would you give the uh, the women's tag? I gave it three and a quarter star. I am really big on B and Brit's feud right now. I think it's the best thing going in the women's division. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited for when they eventually get that match. I'm assuming it'll be on the paper, likely. And uh, they they just, I want to see them beat the hell out of each other. It's so good. <laughs> uh, so I was real close to you. I gave this a three. Uh, weirdly, Grapple felt way different about this. They gave this a 2.3. Not even two and a half. I disagree with them. Maybe maybe they should have watched the picture-in-picture. Like, I know it's not the same without the sound, but that match was pretty good, I thought, from beginning to end. And I did want to make mention of uh, 
women's belt, you know, how small it looks. On Riho, it is so large that it's, like, all the way down to the last... Yes. Like wearing it to the ring, and that made me uh, laugh a little bit. <laughs> I have to presume that I could reach around Riho's waist with my pointer finger and thumb. She... Yep. I thought that belt looked so small, and she comes out wearing it, and it's on the last buttons of the strap. Like, <laughs> it... Be- I mean, it fit her, but, like, they needed to, like, pull it all the way to the end to, like, make sure it fit. I thought the belt was really small. Maybe it's just not that small. Maybe it's just weirdly shaped. I don't know. Um, Maybe in a bigger bigger person's... Maybe it would look weird on Awesome Kong. Yes. Who's bigger than many (laughs) of the men in this company. Um, Post-match, Brit and B needed to be separated. Uh, so their feud is going to continue. Uh, something that I should note that comes out of this match that they announce a little bit later, because Riho and Britt Baker won this match because of that win and because of Britt Baker's uh, record in AEW, uh, next week, along with Chris Jericho's championship defense, Riho will be defending the women's championship for the first time, and it'll be against Britt Baker. So uh, if they do B and Britt, uh, at full gear, it could very well be for the championship, or maybe they do something where B costs Brit the match. Uh, I and think thus, that's a more likely scenario. Yeah. So, Jen Decker is at ringside. She is interviewing best friends. She's like, "Hey, uh, you know, there's a big upset earlier tonight. What do you think about your match next week in the, for the in the tag team tournament against SCU?" And Chuck Taylor's like, why don't you ask this guy? They part like the Red Sea, and sitting in a chair is Orange Cassidy. And the crowd goes crazy, and Orange Cassidy stares at the camera for about ten seconds, gives his thumbs up, and the crowd goes crazy again. Then things get weird, though. The lights just go out, and it's for Sean Spears' intro. Like, I thought this... The only thing that I really have to complain about production-wise or flow-wise is, like, that felt disjointed. Like, it felt like yeah, the lights right. went out. I'm like, is somebody being transported in? Is there... And my first thought was the Dark Order. Because they are they have a buy in the ter- in the tournament, and the lights always go out, and it's always the Dark Order. Well, at least it was until recently. Now, apparently, everybody has uh, teleportation skills. Well, we'll talk about that later, but uh, I, I thought that was a, a weird I, transition. I, I had a theory that this was a continuation of... Uh... Of Orange Cassidy's dark powers because the lights went out on him at All Out, you know? So I figured, hey, you know, he did drink the blood from the cup of, uh, of Gangrel, so maybe he's just continuing to use these dark powers. These are Orange Cassidy powers, yes. Yes. <laughs> maybe it's just Jungle Boy. He got back into, like, the power grid again. He's just been flipping switches. You know <laughs> he how he is. <laughs> he loves switches. Uh, so next up, Sean Spears, John Moxley. Um, Mox got a big reaction coming out. Uh, Justin Roberts gave him the same John he would give John Cena. You can go back and listen to any Justin Roberts, John Cena intro, and he pronounces John the exact same way. A really long, drawn-out John. But uh, Mox comes out here to a big reaction. Spears tries to cheap shot him, but Mox quickly starts to kick his ass. By the way, Pac is on commentary looking real non-plus to be there. He's very unhappy. Uh, but f- hilarity uh, hilarity ensues because he's doing this in his gear. He's like, his hair's wet. He's all oiled up. He's in his underwear and his boots. 
doing commentary. <laughs> I thought it was awesome. Yes. And he was not happy, Nick. Uh, but I thought this was great. A perfect use. He's on commentary and he's raising points. He's like, why did Darby Allen get a title, uh, number one contender shot? Why did Jimmy Havoc get this shot? He's like, you know, do you guys not know what I've been doing since I got here? Now, if you look at it, Chris Jericho is the world champion. And he's had two singles matches, and he has beaten two people in those singles matches. And Pac has beaten the same two people, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. Uh, now, obviously, I think if you look at it from a logical standpoint, it's like, oh, well, Pac will get a title shot, but he's a much bigger competitor. He's not going to be getting a shot on TV. They will reserve that for a pay-per-view main event or something along those lines. But he he's not he doesn't give a shit about that, Nick. He wants his title match now, and he has a lot of great points. He's like, why am I not getting it? Uh, in the match, uh, Tully eventually, Tully Blanchard, who came out with Sean Spears, eventually spot, uh, finds his spot to cheat and throws John Moxley into the steps. Uh, and then Sean Spears gives John Moxley... I, this is the difference here, everybody. The, going into a break, Ty Dillinger gave Dean Ambrose a Death Valley driver into the guard railing outside. Holy shit. It was crazy. Not like the, it was. Not like the padded dasher boards of WWE, but just hard-ass metal guardrails. Uh, bonkers. Picture-in-picture uh, picture break. Spears controlled the entire break, so nothing of note there. Uh... They come back, and Moxley makes his comeback. It ends with a knee trembler for a near fall. He goes for the paradigm shift, but it's countered into a tiebreaker for a near fall. Uh, uh, let me see here. Spears goes for, like, another one, but Moxley reverses, hits the paradigm shift for the win. Uh, before we talk about the post-match, what did you think of the singles match? This was a fight. I I loved this match. I thought this was going to turn into a... Uh... I was worried that was going to be a kind of like a job out kind of match until Sean Spears turned the tide. I thought Mox came out looking tense. He kind of had the, um, I, I, th- I think if you like see like the backstage footage, he kind of had the Goldberg entrance with like all the security around. <laughs> I saw that on the internet. I'm like, Oh man, somebody's going to put the Goldberg music behind that real quick. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I just thought it was badass. I was like, this is, this is what uh, we've been waiting for. You know, we, Dean Ambrose truly become this badass and have this awesome fight and just I loved everything from like even him just being totally exhausted after it was over like truly mm-hmm. everything he'd just gone through it it was awesome like it was I I'd say only slightly would I put the young bucks higher I thought that. wow okay I mean because I really liked the match as well uh, I wasn't super high on it because it's like it was still mostly a showcase for Moxley. It wasn't like a dis- it wasn't like the destruction of Sean Spears or anything. Uh, though, I think it would be smart for them to find some ways for him to pick up some cheap heel wins and stuff. I don't think you want to uh, destroy him too much. I think he's too useful to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you need to keep him as a viable threat. Uh, but I thought this was I thought this was I thought this was really good and 
I don't I don't really have a whole lot else to add. I mean, I I like that you can see the difference in style with Moxley. Like you I if you watched any of this stuff when he was in the G1, it's the same thing there. He's like a completely different person. Uh he had some insane matches in the G1. He had this I don't know if you ever saw the match he had with Ishii, but holy shit. Uh and I th- they had a fight. I think that's why I, I think that's why I rated it so high is I really haven't seen much of Mox uh since come back and it just took me took me by surprise. Like I saw the match he had with Joey Janela and it was fine, but mm-hmm. but this I think was like my first true viewing of what he has to offer and love yeah. and I think I need to go back and watch some of that G one stuff because he impressed me. I would highly recommend the Ishii match. It was wow, it was great. <laughs> it was a great match. Um, so I'm curious to, I'm curious to what you gave it because I'm, I'm really worried here that you went real high. Uh, I may have. Okay. Um, and, and this is what actually caused me to re what I, uh, put for the number one because I love this match. I mm-hmm. gave this four stars. Okay. So yeah, you're like a whole point above me. Uh, I went, th- I went three, but I, I liked most of what you liked. Uh, I just wasn't as blown away. Maybe it's because I've seen a lot more Moxley stuff. So I've seen him, like, way outperform this. Uh, I thought this was really good. Uh, but nothing that had blown me away. Uh, on Grapple, they didn't even hit 3. They hit 2.86, which I disagree with. I, I would accept 3 as a, like, a good, like, medium. I don't know, maybe 2.86 isn't that bad, but... Uh, like two and a half being average. I thought this was way better than that, but uh, you know what? No point in, in in complaining over spilt star ratings, Nick. Uh, <laughs> post-match, o- Omega comes out with a barbed wire bat. Oh, and a barbed wire broom. Yes. Because <laughs> the cleaner, everybody. Uh, and he tosses... Uh, he tosses Moxley the bat because Kenny is in fact the cleaner and he has his barbed wire broom. Uh, that's when Pac had enough of this bullshit. Everybody forgot he was there and he folded up his chair and he got a running head start and he hit Kenny in the back of the head with the edge of the chair and Moxley uh, kind of warded off Pac because Moxley's not an evil heel, but he and Kenny have their issues but he did not attack Omega because that would be, I guess, cowardly uh, at this point. And uh, he doesn't want to give Omega the satisfaction of being able to say something like that. So he did not touch him. So I thought that was interesting. Um, main event time, Dustin Rhodes and Hangman Adam Page against the inner circle, Nick, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. Uh, and the inner circle already have shirts. Uh, like they had them when they walked out. Um, now, if you if people don't know, the Hangman Dustin team was actually formed on Being the Elite, uh, where uh, after the attack from last week's show, the Young Bucks were mad at Hangman, like, why weren't you out there? And Paige agrees that he sort of let everybody down, and he looked at Dustin Rhodes, and he said that he'd, you know, with his help, he'd help make it up this week. So... That's what they were doing, teaming up uh, with one another. Uh, this is where they also announced the Riho Brit title match for next week. So the match starts with Dustin beating up everybody. Now Paige is kicking ass. 
Uh, Jericho uh, interferes, and that helps Sammy take control. No picture-in-picture break. When they come back, the heels are still in control. Uh, Hangman gets his knees up on a lion salt, hits a murder lariat on Sammy Guevara, tags in Dustin for the house on fire hot tag. Then Jake Hager comes and takes out Adam Page on the floor beyond the referee's back. Uh, Sammy Guevara, who's down on the on the ground, grabs like Bryce Remsburg by the shirt to distract him when Hager comes in and clocks Dustin as well. Jericho gets up, hits the Judas effect, and pins Dustin to get the win. Before we talk about the long post-match, what did you think of the tag main event for this week? I thought it was solid. Me it, too. I I felt like uh, watching this, I'm like, man, Dustin, the best one in that ring. He was impressing me well with everything he was doing. I don't know what it was, but he just... He looks really great for... I, I want to say he looks great for his age, but he doesn't. He looks like he's wrestling below his age right now. I mean, he's not moving around like Will Ospreay or anything like that, but uh, if you go look up how old Dustin Rhodes is and then you watch him in there, you wouldn't think that he is the age that the internet says that he is. Uh, he just moves great. Everything he does looks good. Uh, it's cra- I mean, he's not flashy, but, man, he knows what he's doing in there. He's, he was real good. He was impressive. And the only thing that I thought was kind of awkward, um, what was it? I think it was when uh, Hager came in the ring and uh, and attacked. I thought for a second the referee totally saw it and we were going to see it. Oh, the referee that. totally did see him exiting the ring. Uh, I, I, I went back and looked at it again, and Bryce totally saw Hager actually leaving the ring. He didn't see him technically do anything. Um, so I guess you could kind of, you know, cause refs are really dumb. So they can, <laughs> if you're I in the ring, that's not necessarily a DQ. He didn't see him do anything. You know, if you're in the ring, that might just yeah. be a, Hey, get out of the ring. Uh, I guess so. But you see the other guy on the ground and you're like, <laughs> come on, you gotta use some, some thought process, but you're right. Referees. Well, I mean, we're talking about a, <laughs> we're talking about a fake sport where somebody will shoot mist into somebody else's eyes and the opponent's face is completely covered in mist, and the referee just is like, okay. Like, <laughs> I didn't see you shoot the mist at the, this person, so, you know, how do I know how it got there? I don't know. It could have happened in any number of ways. Uh, you know, so that's what we're dealing with in terms of ref logic. So I guess that one's not so bad. But I agree with you. I thought this was solid. Uh, I don't like this trend of the first matches always being, like, the best matches. Uh, although I think maybe last week, I think I liked the women's match more than you did. I thought maybe that was the best match on the show. Although, you know, honestly, when we're talking about that, uh, the thing that really made the women's match was the crowd. Like it wasn't like the best women's match in the world, but the crowd was into it so hard that it elevated the match. Like it felt like it was a better match than it actually was because the crowd was so into it, which, uh, is one is part of the reason why, like I could watch a great match, but if the crowd just isn't into it, it affects my ratings. Like it takes me out of it. Uh, there's some subconscious thing of like they're not into it. Why should I be into it? Uh, like it always feels like something is missing somehow, even if I know the match is good. Uh, that was never a problem on this show. The crowd was into pretty much everything. 
any other thoughts on the main event match, and what would you give it? Um, to me, it was. To, I just went middle of the road. I was like, "This is a three star match." I give it three. Solid. Yeah. Uh, and weirdly enough, grapple again three point four four. So they were above us. They thought three and a half, uh, which isn't too far off from where we are, but enough enough to call attention to it. Uh, I did want to say Jr. almost called uh, Jake Hager Jack Swagger in the match. He did. He's like Jack or er, Jake Hager, <laughs> undefeated Bellator MMA Jake Hager. Uh. <laughs> Post-match, they're beaten down on Dustin. Uh, Hangman starts fighting with Hager. They fight to the back. So put a check mark down, Nick. That sounds like something they're setting up a match for. Definitely. Hangman. It'll be fun to go back in a few weeks and see if they've checked off all of these matches. Uh, I have a feeling they will. I don't think they're doing them for no reason. Then the lights go out. And then Cody Rhodes, ever the Star Trek fan, beams into the ring when the lights come back on. I don't know how all these people obtain transportation powers. And Cody Rhodes may have also been the most fancily dressed person to ever transport into a ring. You've never seen Sabu show up in a ring like this. So uh, (laughs) Cody might be the first person. And he hit uh, Guevara with the crossroads. And then he was fired up as Jericho turns around. He's unbuttoning his shirt and buttons are flying. He's screaming, fight me. And the crowd is amped up. They're chanting for Cody. Uh, And then Cody gets jumped from behind by Santana and Ortiz. Then MJF runs in with a chair. And this is done so perfectly. Because MJF runs in exactly like Cody's best friend who's going to turn heel on him here. He runs in, but then he stops. And then he's holding the chair. And then he's kind of fake. You know, I'm going to hit you bad guys. Which everyone is, like, taking that as a sign to accept that he's going to turn on Cody here. But then, he doesn't. He hits the inner circle guys with chairs. And the crowd's going crazy. And next thing you know, MJF is, like, you know, shouting, Let's go! And the crowd is chanting MJF, and he's soaking in the adulation when Chris Jericho hits him with a code breaker and lays him out. Uh, and then, out. <laughs> yep, and the beatdown the beat down continues. Then the Bucks come in and make the save, uh, and they're doing suicide dives on everybody. And at this point, Jericho is like piecing out. He's like, "I'm okay, too much. I'm taking my belt and I'm going home." When all of a sudden. From nowhere, Darby Allen literally skates down the ramp like he's like at Monday Night Raw and they're like frickin' half pipe entrance set that they have or whatever that is. They're like vert ramp. Uh, Darby Allen literally comes skating down the ramp and then off of his skateboard does like a flying knee to Jericho. Uh, only in pro wrestling would this is this actually cool? This would sound weird on any other show, but in pro wrestling, this is great. He hits Jericho with a skateboard and he gets into the ring. The baby faces are standing tall. Uh, Jericho's battered group uh, circles around one another and Jericho's screaming at him. He's like, Cody, I'll see you at the pay-per-view. Darby, I'm going to get you next week. It's your funeral, bitch. Uh, A great way to go off the air. Uh, crazy, right? So overbooked, 
so much stuff, so much like so many stories stacking on top of one another, a bunch of like stacking run-ins. But here's the thing. Uh, I agree that I think it would be bad if they do, if they do another one of these next week, because this would, this is two weeks in a row that they've done this and I don't think they can keep doing it, but because they're a new company and they want to establish who these people are and what their alliances are and what, you know, we're going to be building feuds. We need to establish them. I think doing this the first couple of weeks is good. Uh, and also I think this was good because it all made sense. Uh, now I think MJF is going to eventually turn on Cody and we can have the conversation about how good or how much sense the Cody MJF story is really going to make in the long run, because I have a case to make that this only really works if you buy that Cody is dumb and doesn't realize <laughs> how big of an asshole MJF is because he's such a big asshole. Like you've got to be dumb to not realize that he is. Uh, and I don't think you want like your, one of your top good guy characters to be dumb. So it, somewhere down the line, I think we can have an argument about how much sense that story really makes. Um, or maybe Cody will have some really fantastic explanation someday about why he's friends with MJF, even though he's kind of a dick to other people. Uh, maybe they will do that conversation, but until then, uh, that other conversation remains to be seen. Uh, but I thought everything else really made sense here. felt like they were setting up stuff that made uh, perfect sense. Maybe they'll do Santana and Ortiz against the Bucks. Maybe they'll do Santana and Ortiz against the Cody and Dustin. But no matter which direction they go in, uh, I think it all makes perfect sense. So whatever they want to do, uh, I'm okay with it. Uh, what did you think of like the big cluster fudge ending? I agree with you. I At the start of it, I was kind of like, oh, they're doing this again. But it all made sense by the end. Everything was built up nice and neat. I would, I am more excited for the title match next week, just because of Darby Allen doing that skateboard. And that was so cool. Um, <laughs> I'm of the belief that maybe just maybe Cody doesn't come off as dumb. Cause he's kind of an asshole, isn't he? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. Like sometimes he does kind of flip and flop a little bit, but lately he's been like, um, white meat. So, Exactly. I, I, I think I said it last week. He, he finally felt like he was being a true baby face after flipping back and forth. But, like, if you know the character to this point, he's kind of always been that guy. He's the guy that'll do an impressive move and then flip you off. So I see that. Or maybe they're going to flip the script. Cody will be the one to turn heel on MJF. No, maybe. You like kind of thing where, you know, keep your enemy closer. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's going to join Jericho's group. I think if he does it, he'll be doing it for himself. Uh, for sure, definitely. Ultimately. But yeah, I would say I thought week two was a better episode than week one. What did you think? I agree with that. Uh, week two had some excellent matches, some nice progression towards the uh, pay-per-view, and I am pumped for the two title matches next week. I mean, it yep. feels great to have a weekly wrestling show that I'm excited to watch. Yeah, it, none of this felt like a journey to get through. It felt like a breeze, and then I was excited to see what happens next. Uh, everything that's going on so far makes sense. They had one blow. They had one real good blowaway match, which is not stuff you usually expect for TV. You usually expect good to really good, mm -hmm. uh, but they delivered a blowaway one here in the opener. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, 
not much more you could really ask for. I thought it was excellent. Uh, a real good show. An excellent number two. Uh, excited for, for week number three. And we'll, uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, but first, in the meantime... Uh, let's thank the good people over at ThinkGeek for sponsoring this week's episode. CinemaGeekly.com slash ThinkGeek. Head on over there to pick yourself up some geeky apparel and uh, collectibles. That's at CinemaGeekly.com slash ThinkGeek. Or click the support us link in the show notes for this episode. And of course, while you're uh, at CinemaGeekly.com, check out the archives of The Elitists. And you can go check out our companion show, uh, What Comes Next, where we cover the other half of the Wednesday Night Wars of course, you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Just search for The Elitists and hit subscribe. That way you can hear us come back next week and talk about more AEW Dynamite featuring Chris Jericho versus Darby Allen for the AEW World Championship. Yeah!